Let us pray. Heavenly Father, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight today, O Lord, you're a rock, you're a redeemer. Amen. There's a context to Luke's gospel. I mean, we have the story of the story of what the disciples are doing in the resurrection, but the story is written for people in a certain time, in a certain place, who have certain things on their mind. And Luke's gospel is written particularly between 85 and 95 CE, 52 years after this event happened or so. And I find myself wondering what kinds of questions were on the minds of that first congregation, those people, 52 years later, as the church gathered. I bet they were some of the same questions. Did it matter? How did it matter? What difference does it make? 52 years later, did the resurrection really happen? After all, the people that had seen it were most likely dead or dying or, or, or not near. Maybe they had seen a ghost or a vision. You can imagine them talking about this and trying to make sense of that thing that happened so long ago that they're trying to hold on to, and you can see Luke starting to pen it down. Well, remember, telling the story of Jesus, remember Jesus fed them. Remember he ate food with them. Remember they saw his hands and his feet. They saw his scars. Must have been weird for the disciples to touch those hands and that had fed them and see those feet. Jesus is with them and he's opening their minds and hearts to understand things and see the world like they never had before. Luke's reminding his congregation, remember all that happened and that's the story we have and why we're gathered here and they're trying to make sense of it. What does the resurrection actually mean for us? Jesus' body. Touch me and see, he says, his body. I mean, if it wasn't really his body and it was a ghost, then the world's something to get away from. To escape the, the physical substance doesn't matter. It should be transcended, escaped. We should remove ourselves from the world and hide, kind of like the disciples are doing in the story. It's important that Jesus tells them your witnesses and you'll testify to these things out in the world because the body does, in fact, matter. The physical world matters and the resurrection matters because Jesus was resurrected in a body this this isn't something to escape it's something to be immersed more fully in that what we do in our bodies matters to God what we do to others bodies matters to God physical stuff matters this world with its brokenness and, and beauty Christ's embodiment well, they were, they were trying to make sense of that. That he walked around and ate with them. And that the world is broken. Why would God want to be a part of it? And so Christ's body came to bring restoration and redemption to the broken world. And, and as Christ's body, we're called to be in the world working in that same way, bring God's kingdom, but it's It's hard. Because of the brokenness, we're all broken in different ways, wounded, scarred. That's why our world seems so chaotic in the current events. If you watch the news, seem like things are getting torn apart. It's because we're broken and fractured in different ways, with different needs, with 
with even different ideas of who Jesus is. That's what Luke's trying to show his community. This is who he is. I still find it kind of weird that the church can't agree. They never agreed then. 2,000 years later, we're still trying to agree on who Jesus is and what he's asking us to do and how he's calling us to do it. And the Lord appears in that room and he says, peace be with you. I have to think they thought, what in the world would that look like? We're a wounded church because we're wounded people and we've been brought together. We don't agree on how the world is supposed to work or how we're supposed to be moving and working in it and current events are an example of that. We stand here and to say that others are unequivocally wrong, unless of course they're violating a commandment or not loving their neighbors, just as bad as saying and misguided as saying that we're unequivocally right, unless of course we're violating a commandment or not loving our neighbor. It's why Jesus appears in that community and says forgiveness and repentance is to be proclaimed. It's because we're broken. In a broken world with scars ourselves. Isn't it interesting that when Jesus wants them to know who he is, he says, look at my scars? That somehow his wounds are how they're going to know him. I think it's also interesting that our scars tell our own unique story of our life. You all have scars, right? Yeah, some of us think that's funny because we got weird ones. <laughs> yeah, we do. We all have them, and we can learn so much from them. I got my first one on my knee. I was a little kid. My dog Patches tripped me while I was running. Tripped and I fell on the gravel in North Dakota. My knee got torn open and I remember the pain of that. And it was the first time I realized that bodies bleed. There was like blood everywhere and it hurt. It's also the first time I realized that death happens. Patches got run over by a car a few weeks later and my dad brought him home after finding him on the road and we climbed on the back of the pickup truck and we saw him there. I learned that living means bleeding and, and hurting and that love hurts but that it's also worth it because I had other pets and friends and, and they were meaningful. Death's final. It's a weird scar. I can still see it and remember that. My, my second scar I ever got on my finger. It's right here. I was working in the garden with dad and mom and grandma and we were chopping rhubarb and I was having a good old time. You know I like knives and I was just going to town. And I thought it'd be fun to just really whack one really hard, and I trapped my finger. It's still there. Oddly enough, there's massive other ones along with it you think I would have learned, but I didn't. But I learned that if you're careless, you're going to get hurt. But you have to take life seriously, or you're going to get damaged. You've got to pay attention to what you're doing. You'll bleed and have pain. I got this other one on my forehead. If you're wondering why I'm like this, it's because... <laughs> from that one, I learned you have to pay attention to others. My friend Brian was trying to hit home runs over the grain bins in his yard on a Thursday night when parents were playing cards. I didn't pay attention to what was going on around me, and I stepped in front of him, and he got me on the backswing of a home run and clocked me right here, and I woke up on the ground. I learned that my body bleeds then, too, 
I learned that if you don't pay attention, others are going to hurt you. If you don't pay attention, you're going to make them feel terrible. Brian thought he killed me. I learned that your parents will stick by you and save your life. And I learned that when you're hurting, time moves really slow. We had to drive all the way to Hedinger, North Dakota, which was about an hour or so away. And it took forever, but I remember the drive laying in the back seat of the van on my mom's lap. Of course, I was young. As I got older, I got acne scars and learned that growing up is hard, but you get through it. I learned that you aren't what you look like, even though God knows we're all beautiful, and we want to think so too, every one of us. I got some adult scars too. I got this shoulder scar where this one got repaired. I learned that it gets more expensive as you get older and money matters and that things of your youth catch up to you, so take care of how you live. There's going to be consequences to these things out here somewhere. I learned that fortitude and strength will only take you so far when age starts to happen and then you just have to face the facts. I got this repaired and I got scars and and tissue to remind me that I got hurt and I was given at some point 100% activity to go out and play and live my life and do it. And then I learned... That experience matters. An old man efficiently destroyed me in racquetball. If that old man is out there, you know who you are. (laughs) My first day of 100% activity, I got destroyed in racquetball, and youth does not make up for experience. As my Achilles tendon tore, it sounded something like that. And I sounded nothing like a pastor at that point. (laughs) In fact, it hurt so bad that the secretary out at the desk of the place we were playing racquetball came in and laid my money on my chest while I was cursing like a farmer. (laughs) I learned disintegration happens. You can't beat genetics that bodies are gifts and we have to make choices and that sometimes it's better to learn a lesson from someone who knows how to do something than it is to try to win and beat them. I got a scar on my thumb too. It's clear down to the bone. Diane, if you're here, Diane Paulson, you know why. I was looking at some of Gordon's carving knives, and it was cold, and the sheath on it was plastic. I learned that sometimes things aren't what they look like. You have to pay attention. Sometimes the round edge of the knife that looks sharp is actually the dull edge, and the other end is the sharp one. I cut my finger to the bone on my day off. No one was home. My wife texts me and says, how is your day going? And I texted back with my left hand because this one was bleeding. Fine. I'm in the emergency room, no worries. I wasn't going to go, but the 90-year-old guy that lived next door to us said I probably should, and when a 90-year-old guy says you got to go to the doctor, you just go. Scars. I'm always reminded of Gordon and friends lost and people I've served. 
I used to be able to jump up on back of a pickup truck from a standstill and land you know, like that. Can anyone else do that? I can't anymore either, and my shins will show you the proof. I learned what it's like to swallow your pride in your fourth grader's parking lot while all the other parents are watching you crawl around on the ground trying to stand up with your shins torn open. I also learned that I just might not be smart enough to learn any more lessons from the dumb things that I do that hurt my body and my life. I learned that 44, I still feel like I have to try to prove myself. Our scars, they show us who we are, part of our journey. We all have them. We all understand what suffering and strength and fear and joy and what our bodies, that they hurt so bad and that they can feel so good. And we have heart and soul scars, too, that we all get of deaths and disappointments and failures, and sometimes they're in our body and sometimes they're not, but they're still there, and that's why Jesus came. To step into all that, that pain and that, that shame and that hurt and let us see that sometimes our pride scars others. Sometimes we want to be special and unique, and we are, but we have a hard time seeing it. To show us that it's a good idea to pay attention to other people's scars. So we don't hurt them. It's important to listen to what's damaged them and broken them and, and what's saving them in the midst of it. To remember to be gracious, because we want to have grace given to us too. That we're all in need of saving completely. And oddly enough, that's not just to bind us together. I mean, it is. It binds us together, right? Our brokenness and hurtness, but it's to bind us together so that we can go and follow Jesus' command to witness to his resurrection. To have that power out in the world that he says we'll receive when he says repentance and forgiveness, he's talking about a new way of living. But it's hard to proclaim it as church if we don't want to live in it ourselves. And the question becomes how, and I think scars have something to do with it. Because we're broken just like the world. We are the world. And we're Christ's body. It's interesting for Jesus, a Christ-like life was not complicated. You eat together, you support each other, you challenge each other to be more of who God says you are. You work to draw people together in community. When you walk on roads and strangers come near, you invite them to walk with you. It's different than wishing that others would be more like me. That's easier, but it's not Christ. Really, churches should be called the church of the broken body because our bodies are broken like our Lord's and we're a broken body all the time, unable to really come together even though we want to and we try. Scars. I mean, we've all been wounded and we're trying to heal. Physical, heart, soul. And Christ enters our life and just like we can learn from our own scars, we learn so much from his Right, he stepped into that room where everyone was afraid and worried, and he said, peace be with you. Why are you frightened? And why did doubts arise in your hearts? Look at my hands, my feet. See, it's me. See, it's I, myself. Touch me and see. And then he showed them 
his scars. And his scars were signs of his enduring love for them. Signs that they had abandoned him, but they were worth it. Signs that life matters and broiled fish is still good. Signs that he enters their life and story completely and their brokenness fully, even if it means he's going to get broken himself. And so we learn that he's with you. That not only is your life his life, scars and all, but his life is your life, resurrection and all. And he is going to feed you with grace, mercy, forgiveness, new life, freely. You remember at the beginning when I introduced the, the story of the gospel that they were, remember this, they were walking along the road and the women saw the tomb and it was empty and the men didn't believe and then they ran and then the two guys were walking on the road and Jesus appeared to them. Do you remember that story specifically? How he walked with them and talked with them and then he sat down at their house at night and it said he, he took bread and he blessed it and broke it and he gave it to them and he was revealed in the breaking of the bread. I've been thinking about that all week because what I always used to think was that as he took that bread and broke it and blessed it, they're like, oh, we've seen him do this a whole bunch of times. It's Jesus. But I think I'm wrong. I think he took that bread and he broke it and he handed it to them and they saw his hands. And they realized that they were scarred and they saw his wounds and they realized who he was. And that he was there, scars and all, still feeding them even after death. And so he promises to feed you so that you can experience wholeness and forgiveness and new life, resurrection, wholeness, healing, new life, even amidst death and the promise that God's eternal love is with us. And that finally one day while our scars will be with us, Jesus makes all things new and whole. For Christ is risen. Peace be with you.